0: My name James. I am a uh, compulsive overeater. I restrict, and uh, I'm a binger. I do. I, I do not want to do this today. it's So interesting. Sometimes I'm really, I'm really up for presenting myself.
1: <laughs> and uh, today is not one of those days. It's, um,
0: uh, it, it's uh, maybe it's an honest day. So. Um, How did I get into program? Uh, three and a half years ago, actually almost four years ago in April, I walked into the doors uh, In at a meeting in St Thomas's in West Hollywood, which is one of my home meetings at that time. And um, I I heard what I needed to hear. And what had been going on before that point was, I had, I had gotten into a relationship with an alcoholic who told me, and he was in recovery, and he told me that the way that I behaved around food was the way he behaved around alcohol. Not impressed, I was not impressed with that. <laughs> um, I'm, so one of my character defects is that I'm very willful. I have a very willful streak. And being told that I'm something before I have worked out that I'm something is not going to work for me. However, I was in a lot of pain. I was going through a cycle of... I've, I have body obsession and uh, body dysmorphia as well, so I was going through a cycle of my body has to look a certain way, but I couldn't control the food any longer to keep my body looking that way. And so I... I I have, done, I have done a few diets, quite a few diets. The, the mo- what used to happen was it would be a diet mixed with working out, which would sort of make me have the body I wanted, which gave me the perception I had control over what was going. The truth of the matter was I couldn't... I couldn't keep going on that path, so it would be two or three months of that at the most, and then it would be, and then I would fall off the wagon, then I would eat everything that I wanted, and we'd be in, I'd be in this cycle of hating myself, hating my body, trying to restrict, couldn't restrict, binging, hating myself, hating my body, and we'd just go on this cycle, and so to protect myself from the feelings of shame and hate, I needed to eat because that's what I'd learned was the way to cover, to cover those things mm. um, and so that had really culminated in the most in sort of like the final straw was when I started counting macros and that led me to eating only 8 hours out of the day I would have 2 huge meals that would consist of the correct macros for me to then go and do this specific workout which would then let's just say I made it for a month <laughs> and my body obviously changed it changed the way I wanted it to change mm-hmm. however I couldn't stick to it and what that also the progress of the disease from when I was I mean really from when I was three or four I didn't know what was going on but there's a story <coughs> of my neighbours finding me in their tuck box uh, with Mars bar wrappers <laughs> all the way around mm-hmm. me where I adjust eaten all of four years old. like I had found what I needed and I sat there and, and binged at four. So this has been going on for a while but the sort of where it got too much was counting macros led me to weigh myself four times a day and my favourite thing to do was to eat all the food and then weigh myself and wonder why I put on two pounds. Um, like I, I can't get anything more punishing to do than to have the food here eat it stand on the scales and wonder why I put on weight and that's insane uh, and, mis- and it, ha- it wasn't in- insanity it was true insanity uh, and what that led to was when, when that broke then I could not stop eating so it's, it started slower slower and then when I moved in on my own, and I had no one watching me because I had a roommate up until that point, and I had been stealing her food, um, secretly putting back enough cereal, I thought that she wouldn't realize I had had at least two bowls. <coughs>
1: um,
0: I was at home alone. I, I, I at the time was not working, and I this. How I understand step one, which is my, my, I am powerless over this and my life became unmanageable was this. I would sit down and I would have things to do. But my brain and this energy would come over me, it was like, go eat. Go and eat. Go and eat. So I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go and eat. And I, couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop myself going from the laptop all the way to 7-Eleven, which was just up the street. And then I would pick all my childhood foods, ice cream, cookies, uh, trail mix. I'm trying to think about the very last binge. Oh, and there was pizza in there as well. <laughs> and I would come home, I would lock myself in the house, I would put on TV, and I still have to eat to television. I still have to eat to TV because I don't know why I'm not willing to give that up yet. So, TV's on I'm at like that just the TV alone is enough to make my mind go I'm gone and then I'm just eating but having been told that maybe I treat uh, food like alcohol and starting to sort of see what I, I seem not to be able to stop doing this I decided that I would step into those rooms into these rooms and the people weren't what I thought they were going to be I mean I, again, my, I'm, I'm, I love to be alone in a situation, so I was the only one like me walking into these rooms, which is not true. Because when I sat down and I heard people talking, then I was hearing my story. I was like, oh my God, this person over eats, this person over eats, this person can't control themselves going to the store and, and eating just the way that I did, or they, they, they were doing that and they're not doing that anymore. It wasn't, so I got straight to the program, I got a sponsor and she said, what do you want, what do you want your abstinence to be in that flour and sugar? Because I was still on diet mode. And so diet mode to me was cut out the carbs and cut out the sugar. So that went on real nice for about eight days. <laughs> and I was so, I honestly I was proud of myself which is another, another character defect because actually you know, program has taught me and has shown me it's nothing. It is literally nothing to do with myself whether I can stop eating or not because I, I was not capable. But I was very proud of myself, and that was definitely um, right before the fall. Um, because day nine, I was back at Seven Eleven, and I probably have never had a binge quite like it. Um, and that the sort of combination of that was sitting with this food around me watching the television, but in some, here now, I had heard stories and I was like, I don't want to eat this, I don't want to eat it, I don't want to eat it, put it in my mouth. I don't want to eat it, I'm not going to eat it, I'm not going to eat it in the mouth. And that was when I truly recognized that this was, that I was powerless over it. The first real time I realized I was powerless over food was that particular moment. So I got back into program and get back. I, I, I went back to a meeting, and then I went to another meeting. Um, and the saving grace was, my sponsor said, what do you think you can manage for 24 hours? And I said, I think I can manage not to binge for 24 hours. And that was the start of my arguments. My abstinence, I hear people say, oh, I was struck abstinent, and I think that that is a wonderful thing. I will say I was struck absent from binging. I have never binged again since, uh, since June 7th, 2015, but all of the things that are a part of my food addiction have, were not taken away straight away. That has definitely been a progression. Uh, I need it to be a progression. I'm very much black and white, so I want to rip everything out and, and fuck it up, and the truth is, that's not the best option for me. Kindness is the best option for me and the kindest thing that I could do was not binge one day at a time. And then gradually uh, bring other foods in, I started to recognize, like once I started removing the binging out of my life, I started seeing, oh I'm not binging this food, but I am going to the store when I don't need to to pick this food up. And so I've lived with that for about two or three months and then, I, then my sponsor and I who by this point I had a change of sponsors um, you know that has been such an important relationship for me having somebody who will listen I, I mean what that man has to listen to I'm not sure but he, he has to listen, he listens to me every single day Monday through Friday and I need that my go to is to hold everything in I don't talk I don't need anyone uh, I can deal with this I'm an independent person um, I can't trust that anyone will look after my feelings I can't trust that anyone will care for me the way that I care for myself and sponsorship and program and fellowship has taught me that that's not true in actual fact the people in this program seem to care for me more than I care for myself in actual fact a lot more because the, the inverse thing about me thinking I'm caring for myself is all I was really doing was compulsively running away from my shame. That's it. Whether I'm compulsively eating or compulsively in another program, I am compulsively running away from the shame and that's where these behaviors c- come from. That's what I do to <coughs> run away from What's ringing in my head is like, talk about step work. So I'm going to talk about step work. Um, I I, I read this morning, uh, the reading for today is about character defects. And it's about when when I have an issue with my character defects, when I have an issue in my life, just go back to the steps. Just go back to the steps. It's as simple as that. So, step one, why, what's going on that's unmanageable in my life? So, that for me, in this program, really I started to recognize like how, how the food affected my life, when I was using it, why I was using it, what substances in food I was using, what substances were allergic for me, and I still eat some of them. I recognize last night I went to the movies, I had popcorn, I feel, it's not that my body wants more. But I feel it affects my body in a way that, <clears throat> like, my heart starts racing. It's, it's really odd, like, I have an allergic reaction to it. So, I, 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 this is the things I've become aware of where before I was just like shoveling food into my mouth to, to stop the feelings from happening. Um, and when I when God stepped in, or when I allowed God to step in, and that's important, I allowed it. God was always there. So I had to allow a power greater than me to step into my life. I could start to see my life is so unmanageable like this. Like that obsessive cycle took up my life for three, four, five years, and that was at its most obsessive. I was always thinking about like, how am I gonna turn up at the beach? What's my body gonna look like? Um, what do I have to eat to offset to what exercise do I have to do I mean insanity and when I had the body I'm telling you when I had the body I wanted I couldn't see it that's insane so what am I following then what am I going when does this stop the revolt never stops until I got into here so uh, step two came to believe in a power greater than me I've been brought up um, Anglican Church of England and I mean there's a lot of it's, a, it's an offshoot of Catholicism, there's a lot of shame around it this is my opinion about it uh, I'm gay so there's, there's things that I struggled with in that as well what was brought to me as a, as a normal good life was not what was being shown to me or at least I it's going to be a theological argument right now. I can just say that what I was seeing and what I was being taught was not—they they didn't. Me and that didn't seem to match. So there's my individuality going crazy again. Like I'm not the same as everybody else. Um, and another reason to, to eat. a big reason to eat has been my sexuality and coming to terms with the shame around that and the shame of who I am and how do I accept that into my life. Um, so there was a struggle came okay, to believe in a power greater than myself because what I've discovered is the struggle was I at 17 when I realized I was gay and I was begging God to take my homosexuality away from me and God would not bend to my will I got to a point where I was like fuck you God I'm going to do it my way and that is such a pivotal point for me in this, in this because it, it's such, it, it is the moment I fully turned away from a power greater than myself. I grew up learning that there was a power greater than me, and I didn't understand how, but I had some belief that there was something else. And in that, in those moments at 17, I was like, that's fine. I'm gonna take this on. And I guess I have affected my sexuality, I have affected my ability to have sex. I have affected how I eat food. I have affected what my body looks like. But the truth is that turn away. Just I, it was all on I me mean then, and I couldn't keep it up. So much pressure, so so much pressure. So the relief in the program of step two, of acting as if I I know it sounds for me. I was like, oh shut up. We do that in acting. I don't want to. <laughs> but, the, but the truth is that that helped me step into whether there was God or not how what can I and I started looking for things that would show me that God was around like what, what am I less than if you like and I heard somebody in this meeting share about when I went to the ocean and I saw the tide coming up and down now where I'm from the tide moves it moves it moves so far back like it changes the landscape of the island that I'm from. And when it comes in, it changes the landscape of the island that I'm from. Now, what does that? that that's, in, that's almost enough for me to be like, I don't have, that's something I don't have control over. So if, that, if that's enough, then I can start seeing that there is a, there's got to be a power greater than me to make this continue, to make the world be There has to be a power break in me. So that sort of helped me step into set three, where I wrote wrote a um, wanted ad for uh, the higher power of my choice. Uh, I've been working through the the 12, the the OA book, the workbook there. So that's really helpful because it asks questions, and I like to answer questions. So that works for me. Uh, But that ad helped me see what I wanted from a higher power, and it was love, kindness, generosity, um, support, non-judgment. <laughs> Funnily enough, many of the things that i found are my character defects, and the things I don't want in my higher power. Um, but step three, you know, step three is something that's consistent I think one, two, and three is something that's consistent because I have to identify that my life's unmanageable to then realize that I've been taking control, to then bring God into it, step two, and then to be willing to turn my life over to a power greater than myself. And that, honestly, is step three is a, a tricky step for me. For somebody who's, who's had control all of their life, to then be like, okay, well, I'll give you it. It's, it's not an attractive prospect. Um, and yet, when I've done it, it's the best thing I could have done. Every time. Every time. There's this feeling when I give my life up to, to a power greater than myself, that I can only, and I talk to my sponsor about this too, that I can only describe it as being in flow. And it's this, I have a lot of anxiety, so, I, so I'm, I'm sort of like on the edge a lot and that's with driving that and I recognize when I'm in God's will that feeling is not present I, I can be driving and I can allow what's going on around me, because that's the most difficult place for me is in the car I'm alone, no one can see me and I, I can lose it um, that's five, thank you um, so when, when I am in God's will it is so much easier for my life. But that, that, you know, the steps are built in that way, they build on each other. So I had to, I had to come and see a power greater than myself to be able to to trust. And again, it was an as-if process. I started to be like, well, there's a God, do do whatever you're going to do, and I'm, I promise I won't react to it, and if I do, I'll, I'll take my time with it. And that helped because I started being able to see where God was in my life. You know, where he'd been before. Um, how had I got into program? How had I got into program? I had ended up with somebody who recognized what was, what was going on with me and had veered me into program. That's, that's something to do with me. Um, Sorry, I'm very easily taken up. so um, that was nothing to do with me. And I can see, how did I end up in L.A.? Like, I ask these questions all the time. If I take it back, I come from an island called Jersey. It's 45 square miles. It's a British island. How did I end up here in this, for me, an incredible city? Just so many steps that I look at that I'm like, Oh, that's nothing to do with me. That's nothing to do with me. I wanted it, so I took the steps. But the truth is, there's so many different things that could have happened that meant that I would never have been here. <coughs> Step four and five: uh, wrote my resentment list. My parents featured heavily on it, particularly my dad. Um, God featured pretty heavily on it. Uh, people from school. I shared things with my sponsor that I had never shared with another person before. Secrets that I had, mm-hmm. secrets that I thought were important, that aren't important. Um, family loy- loyalties that were screwed up. Um, I really shared with him, and what I'm realizing now is, I'm, it's taught me how to share on a regular basis, but I shared with him and he made no comment no judgment, no you shouldn't have done this um, why did you do that what was going on for you no, there wasn't any questions about it I shared he kept quiet and at the end he said well done for sharing I was like "Well, don't, you know this stuff now don't, do you like me do you, don't you hate me but that's not the question the question is was I willing to? And I was because I don't think I could have done it before having the power greater than myself to rely on to share that stuff. Like even if my sponsor turned away from me, I was like, well, I, I sort of think I've got this thing going on here that will love me whatever. Um, I put it out here, and really it needs to be more in here, I think. But um, I see it as some, something else, something other, and that helps me. Six and seven, my, my most, well, nearly my most recent steps, and I would say that seven, which is, um, became willing to, to have our character defects removed, has been probably one of the most profound steps for me in this program. Like they've all had what, what I consider now, and understand to be spiritual awakenings to them, more awarenesses that have come. But that seventh step for me, seeing my character <coughs> defects, the important part of it is is when I see them come up to accept them and then give them to God. Not change my behavior, not have to take control of the situation myself, what's the counter, what's the counter behavior, accept that the behavior happens, get on with my day and trust that God will remove that defect when it's the right time to remove it. And that, that's Allowing God in that much, trusting that God will, will help me be the man I want to be, is just another part of this faithlessness to faith. And that's sort of how I see this journey. And sometimes I'm, I'm I'm faithless still. You know, I'm, I'm going through stuff in another program. These, that's it, I wrap up. These two things are very tied. Food and this other program are very tight for me. And I've, I've been having issues with my food. That just is what it is. Like, I thought this would go away. It, it doesn't go away. I have relief, and I have times where I'm given awareness around the food, but the biggest thing when the food is up for me is willingness to be honest and willingness to give it up. Um, that's it, thank
1: you.
0: This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions I share with you today are my own, and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast, and I will restate the question after it is asked. Okay. Um.
1: Thank you for your shirt. Uh. I really enjoyed it, and um. I I know why I don't diet. I can't diet because it is not safe. Um. But with oh, that being said. My question was, how do you differentiate, like, overeating and binging? Mm-hmm. Um, like, kind of differentiate that do you, when was the last time
0: you overeat in the sense of, like, you, it was more proportion of what, Okay, <laughs> thank you. That, uh, a, the question is, how do I differentiate between uh, overeating and a binging? Um, and I, that's so interesting I was thinking about that in the shower today which is what I was thinking so it's probably helpful if I clarify that my abstinence is three meals a day and two snacks and what a meal looks like is a plate of food so if it's on the plate I'm allowed to eat it overeating if I haven't spoken to my sponsor would be having something else after that, um, I know the plate of food is enough. I don't need anything else, but I overeat. I take something else, and that is actually, I believe, um, it, it, That's a part of my abstinence too. If I haven't told my sponsor about that before I take part in it, we have to have a conversation about whether I compulsively overeat, because that that is really a part of what I'm abstaining from as well. Then uh, a binge for me, what that used to look like, and the difference is that there was no meal planned. It was not a breakfast, a lunch, or a dinner, or a snack. It was, I went when I wanted, and I went with the intent. The only intent was to buy food, bring it back home, and eat it all. So, so for me, the difference is, I start a meal and I don't intend to overeat, but I might overeat. The binge is something happens here and I'm like I'm going to the store. And I go to the store, I buy all the food, I bring it home and then I eat it all. So that, that's how I define the difference between the two. Thank you very
1: much. Can you talk about your daily practice, do you meditate you your regular prayer meditation? Sure.
0: Thank you. Uh, so, uh, what's my daily practice? And you got me. Because, um, I'll be totally honest, meditation is currently something I seem unwilling to do. I'm unwilling to sit for five minutes and meditate. And I'm also not willing to ask God to make me willing, because God tends to, to do those things. <laughs> uh, <coughs> So, meditation is not a part of my practice. What I can say is um, the tools of this program have been a part of my practice and continue to be a part of my practice and have uh, been a part of my practice at different times. So there was a, there was a year period where I wrote two pages every single morning um, and that was usually followed by prayer. I like prayer. That part works. That works for me. Maybe it's because I'm able to ask for things which is... Typical. Um, <laughs> but maybe it's because of that. Or it's because I like to have the conversation. I should be kinder to myself. than I'm being. Um, currently what it looks like. Because I'm actually uh, doing step eight. But I just see the value to me of uh, step seven. And I don't know that step seven. Won't ever, won't ever not be valuable. So. Uh, w- when I get up. I find myself some quiet time and I pray, and I pray and that prayer leads into a sort of step seven set that I have that sort of asks God for the humility to allow my my character defects that then goes into the seventh step prayer and then list I have my list of character defects, my sort of 12 top, and I go through every single one asking God to remove that defect and replace it with whatever the other thing is and then to finish that I just ask that God allows me to accept the defects and move on with my day and give it to, to them that that's, the, that's sort of like a daily practice when when chip hits the fan uh, practice is to call, oh, so I also call my sponsor every day, Monday through Friday, we actually have Thursdays off now, but Monday through Friday, minus Thursdays, and when I first started, that was every evening, 9.30pm, Monday through Friday, we would, we would call, I would call. Um, and now, when things are up in the air, I will call fellows. If I'm told to write about it, I'll write about it. If I'm told to call someone else, I'll call someone else. I do my best to allow God in because what I want to do is hide and isolate, which is not, that's not good for me. And I want to ignore what people are telling me to do. So the counter for that in these instances is to do the opposite and to actually make those steps towards calling people, writing, to let out the feelings that I have because that's one of the big issues for me, is that if I don't let this stuff out, I'm going to eat. Thanks, James. Do you have any relationships between coming into the program? Sure. <laughs> How have my relationships changed since coming into this program? Um, you know they've grown a lot I would say uh, that this program the removal of food for me helped me recognize that I have issues with relationships I just do and so that aided me getting into another program so those are the two things that fight with each other relationships with other people relationships with myself and food those two go, seem to go hand in hand when one's good, the other one can be playing around, and the other one's good, this one can be playing around. It's just part of that process for me. Uh, one of the ways that my relationship has changed, is, particularly with my um, significant other, is that I will share food with him. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, but there is a dating story. I've told it in this room before, and it did not go well. He wanted to share food, and I was like, "Not in a 100 years. That's my plate. I had taken him to this particular restaurant because of the food that I was going to eat and he should have the same food. He chose something different, then wanted to eat something from my
1: plate. (laughs) I just don't know how he figured out uh,
0: that I had an issue. (laughs) So um, you know I have to prep myself for that though. We have, he's really understanding, we have rules, he's like, do you mind if I have something? And if I'm in that frame of mind, I'm good. So in terms of how does my relationship change with food and other people, it's really, really improved. I understand that food is not important. It's important for my sustaining life, but it is not important to anything else. Not if someone else is sitting in front of me and we are together and I am present, then a cookie in a jar, and I'm thinking of a specific time, doesn't matter. Me sitting in a restaurant thinking, am I going to have that cookie? Am I not going to have that cookie? Am I going to have that cookie? I've got someone in front of me. They're talking to me. They're talking to me and I'm out here thinking, am I going to have that cookie? I'm not going to have it because I have it up on this... So in that sense, the relief from the food allows me to be with other people. To actually connect with other people. And I think, you know, uh, doing the steps has allowed me to feel. And what me feeling has done is allowed me to be empathetic to others. You know, I was frightened about it. I think I had that sensitivity and I wanted to shut it off. And now I'm learning it again of how to empathize with others, how to allow myself to cry if someone cries and be okay with that. Because I just, feel like I want to cry. It's, there's nothing going on for me other than I see someone else's pain and I relate to it. And that's a, that is a gift. Because I can't tell you, the difficulty of crying in front of other people. Um, this, this here, relationships in large groups, couldn't do it. Could not do it. I always had to find one person and then it would just be me and them for the night. Because I can't be seen in this Sphere. It's frightening for me. And so, you know, program is just, it really has opened up my life and allowed me to be with other people and one of the things I was most frightened of was being with other people. I'm most frightened of people. Full stop. So, what again to be able to remove food and to be able to sit and share with other people.
1: Um, so it sounds like you keep red light foods, you have to all red light food food, at home that you used to binge on that you no longer binge
0: on. But it sounds like you keep them at home. How do you keep food at home that you used to binge on without it screaming your Thank you. question is about red light foods. How do I. Uh, how do I have them in the house and um, not not take them? So the honest answer to that is I don't have them in the house. <laughs>
1: so um, which which food were were, did you hear? Oh, I thought
0: you said that you you go to sure the store and get things, but you, you'll have them
1: for maybe a couple weeks a couple months, and I'm going, oh my god, how did you do that? Um,
0: no. No, I, I I couldn't do it. Um, what I have noticed though is, you know, my my boyfriend doesn't have a problem with food, so I'm not going to tell him he can't have what he wants in the house. And I have noticed that he will he will buy candy. He might buy, He's not a big sweet thing, and that's my thing. That's like that was my that was the last thing to go, and it was it was pretty painful. Um, and now I can have it in, I can have that in the house. And I think it's something to do with, so that. this program has really, really focused me on honesty and integrity. And, and therefore I can't steal it.
1: <laughs>
0: um, it's too much, like the conversation I can have with myself is well I could steal it. And then I look at the steps that have to take. That I would have to take to make good on that. And I'm like, no nah way. I have to go to my sponsor. No, first, I'm going to live with it for a while. I'm going to play with it up here for a good week or so. Then I'm going to go devastate it to my sponsor. Then he's going to tell me that I need to, well, firstly, I've broken, I've broken my abstinence. So that's three and a half years. And no, it's not a kind thing. But I just I just don't want to go, I don't want to go back and I know it wouldn't be going back, it would be different. Today I'm not prepared to eat that food and to take that, it's a risk. If I start there, where will I end up? Will I be able to come back to this or will I be able to get back on this uh, I, because I don't know the answer, it's not safe. But I will say, just to your, to your question, I do not have my red light foods in the house. I couldn't do it, I could never do it, and it's, I it would take the alcohol metaphor again, an alcoholic kept beer and wine in the house. Some people can do it, some people can't. I, I, can't, I cannot do that. So for me, I, I clear I the house and I only have food in there. So when I find myself in a cupboard, I'm like, why am I looking at taco mix? That's all that's in there. You know, tap mix some salt and pepper, foods that, I can, foods that I can eat or make something with.
1: Thank you so much. Um, how, at what point did you lose your diet mentality? meaning when I'm going to do this again? When, when this is this going to happen again? Yeah. Because just at what point, obviously, it has to transform and change. Sure. How
0: long does that take? Uh, at what point did I lose my diet mentality? So I'll, I'll tell you that it can still crop up. I still think, oh my God, I'm fat. Oh my God, I need to go and work out. What am I doing? But when I really lost it, <laughs> it was uh, when I started abstaining from binging. I had this thing about looking in uh, car mirrors. And, uh, and a car windows. So I look in any window to see whether I look fast or not. So I started abstaining from that. I started, I have not weighed myself in three and a half, four years. So abstinence from scales, I, I only know by my clothes. And I abstained from, I asked God to help me abstain from working out if I didn't need to, and also from obsessing around my body. And so, could I? And I was in a lot of pain when I first walked in, and it was such a relief to just let it go. That I started, I started going together and I, I just was like, God will look after this. God will look after this. And I mean, I'll be totally honest. I, I, my body doesn't doesn't change much. It, I put on a bit of weight. I can feel it in my clothes recently when my boobs moved around a bit. But really, it's very steady, and I don't have to worry about it. So it came when I started looking at what I wanted to abstain from.
1: You mentioned the car being a, a, a difficult place for you. What is it about being in the car besides the fact that you're alone? Because I'm sure that's not the only place sure. you, that's so triggering.
0: Uh, good question. What is it about being in a car that makes the driving so triggering? I actually think it's much more about what I perceive other people are doing to me so when someone cuts me off I perceive that they haven't seen me when someone's trying to race with me I perceive that they think they're better than me so there's, there's playing there's just all of my shit going on when I'm alone in a car I start creating stories about everybody why is that I don't have control over them that's the biggest issue my biggest character defect too and so in the car when no one can see me I'm, I can get to anger very quickly, and it's, it really is about controlling other people. I wish they would do and drive the way that I want them to do and drive, and then ten minutes later i find myself doing the same thing that I got annoyed about. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what does meditation look like to you, and what's there between meditation and your quiet time mean,
0: uh, what does meditation look like to me and what the, what's the difference between meditation and quiet time in the morning? So quiet time in the morning is, is prayer. Thank you. And this will be the last one. Is prayer. Um, it's a really good question. Terrible. Re- that's a really good question. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, you know, maybe I've been meditating the whole time and I didn't know it and it's just I have a set way of what meditation looks like and that's quite possible I hear about meditating while walking meditating um, so you have left me with something to think about and I appreciate that I know what, I know, that dif- for me the difference between prayer and meditation and I see it in program there is a difference um, but why they can't overlap I, I never ask myself the question thank you